Hey, this is Brett Miller with another episode of Wood Talk. Today we've got a very special guest, which is Steve Bratton with SVB Wood Floors out of Kansas City, Missouri. Welcome, Steve. Thank you for having me. Uh, greatly appreciate it and looking forward to uh, chit-chatting a bit today. Right on. Thank you. Steve, if, if you just want to kind of talk a little bit about your background, you know, how you got into this industry, how you got the hook into being in the wood floor trade, maybe a little bit about your path in the industry going from what got you into to yep. where you are today. Well, back when I was 15 years old, I was visiting uh, out in Kansas City, and my father had some flooring companies at that point. I'd went out with a couple of his installers and installed my first floor at 15 years old. Shortly after that, um, back in the Chicagoland area, I started off with a company um, called Apex Wood Floors. I was 17 years old, got into it consistently at that point. And here I am uh, 26 years later, still in the industry, still in the trade. Had a small flooring company in the Chicagoland area, ended up moving to Kansas City in 99. At that point, I had started a smaller flooring company out of my garage, which has now grown to you know approximately 45 to 50 team members. Oh man, that's that's awesome. And I've been to your facility in Kansas City. It's it's impressive. You run a very tight ship, a very well-run business. We have uh, an awesome team. You know, and I've always told everyone, you know, what it takes to get there is just quality customer service, but having the right people in the right place and it kind of does it does it itself. So, absolutely. So, when you were in Chicago working for Apex, that was you were working with John Lessig, is yes. that right? Yep. What was what was it like working in Chicago in comparison to working in Kansas City, just city to city? How can you compare the two? Pretty big difference, especially if we were working downtown. Uh, we used to have one guy that would just literally run up and down, up and down the elevators, feeding meters. And, you know, we finally got to the point where at that point, I think John had made a decision, said, you know what, it's cheaper just to pay the ticket. We'll just, you know, we'll go ahead and let some tickets build up here and there. <laughs> um, you know, at this point now, I believe he drops equipment off there and sends his guys back and forth on the train if they're working downtown just because of the hassle and the headache of it. Kansas City, I mean, if we sit in five minutes traffic, we're complaining. You know, we're up in Chicago, it could be two, three hours of it. So quite a difference. Um, able to get allowed or get around a lot more. So our estimators and you know sales guys, they could probably do anywhere from you know five to six appointments in a day up in Chicago. You're lucky depending on where you were at, you know, if you get two to three in a day. So no kidding. So when you had your business up there, and I know probably some time difference from when you were doing floors in Chicago to when you were doing floors in Kansas city. But, um, it's funny just going region to region, different mentalities of, of competition, other workers in the markets, but also price point and oh, yeah. pricing. How is the price comparison? I mean, are you getting the same dollar per square foot in Chicago that you are in Kansas city or is it you know, Chicago is a very competitive market, and I think it just all depends on who the company is, what type of work they're going after. Um, one say, thing I'd say is, you know, in the late '90s in Chicago, we were, you know, we were merging over to the water-based finishes. Where when I moved to Kansas City, I mean, everything was still oil. Still to this day, there's a lot of the contractors that are using oil. You know, we started changing that over, and you know, we tried to switch that up. Where I think a big percentage of the you know, flooring companies out in Kansas City have now switched it over, but um, that was a hard changeover. And, you know, Chicago being a two-coat market and then Kansas City being more of a three-coat market, we had to kind of play around with that and get used to that as well. So, hmm. Well, Chicago, too, is pretty strict on VOC restrictions, aren't they? They are. Three, is it still 350 VOC? I believe so, but that happened after now? I left. Okay, okay. 
Because I know, I know, again, market to market's a little bit different. You run into one market that's all poly, one that's, um, you know, VOCs. Like you go to California, yeah. I don't even know. I think it's down to 100 VOCs, something it's like that. Low. It's it's just changes changes the game all the time. Yeah, not much of a swing as far as just, you know, overall day-to-day process or procedures just because of the fact that, you know, kind of still within the same region where I know back where you're from in Colorado. I mean, huge difference. We had a project out that we had done a few few years back that was a commercial project, and I was actually speaking to Jeff Fairbanks about it. He said, oh, be careful out here. You know, we get down to single digits relative humidity. So, you know, as far as changing the procedure over from Chicago to Kansas City, there wasn't a big switch over, but I could see where when people are changing regions entirely that they could have a quite a bit of a swing. So when you were out in the field, did you have a preference? Did you install, sand, finish? Were you a little bit stronger in one area than the other? I did everything, you know, from start to finish. I mean, I, my truck was stacked from tools from the floor to the ceiling. It was a headache and a hassle, you know, just to get one thing out of the truck because you may have to empty the <laughs> right. entire truck. Where now our guys, we, we operate a little bit differently. Um, we have our divisions broken up into installation, sanding, and we have finishing crews. So our installers strictly install um, and do removal and stuff of that nature where our sanders will actually sand and stain a floor. And then from there, they move on to their next project. We have finishing crews that will follow behind them. They'll do all the first coats, second coats, final coats. And then they also set base shoe and just finish up little details like maybe, you know, setting carpet and doorways or, you know, whether it needs some type of transition pieces or T caps or, you know, just make sure flush mount vents are put in. They also finalize and walk through the details with the homeowners as far as wood care, um, you know, care for the wood floors, do's and don'ts. We leave them a floor kit on each and every single job just to make sure that they're taken care of and got the right products to take care of their floor as well. Nice. And that's, and that, that's really seems unique. And I don't know other businesses that run it where they, I mean, I know businesses that might break it up. We did. I mean, we had install crews and finish, sand and finish crews. Most of our guys did a little bit of whatever we told them to do, um, whether it was installing or finishing. But I know companies that break it up install crews and sand and finish crews, but to break your sand and finish crew into sanding and stain application and then just finish application, you've really got some specialists, it seems like. Yeah, and it just it helps out with the scheduling side of things too, because they don't have all that windshield time. They don't have multiple stops in the middle of the day or you know early morning or pulling them off a job site late in the afternoon. They're literally dedicated to that one job. So they leave our office. They're going straight out to the you know the project that they're working on for the day, whether it's a one day project, three day project. They don't leave that job until they're complete. You know, other than going home, obviously, and you know getting some rest each evening. But you know, and then they will move on to their next project after that. In your market. Um, your install crews, how much of the flooring you're installing and selling today is pre-finish versus site finish floor? You know, we're still a very, very big site finish company. Um, we did recently open a new showroom in the last couple of years to where we needed to have more square footage for some of the pre-finish lines just because it is becoming bigger and bigger and, you know, lots of varieties and different designer types of floors out there. Um, our current showroom is about 5,600 square foot. You know, I'd say a big majority of what's in there is pre-finished flooring, even though we have, you know, all of our custom samples and our just basic sand and finish samples. Um, you know, so there, th- th- that swing's starting to happen. I'd say we still probably are 65, 70% unfinished, but it is growing, definitely. Hmm. So one thing that I love, you know, we've got a school going here, basic Santa finish school, just an introductory Santa finish school, and you brought three of your 
office staff end, yes. project manager, um, and and some of the people that are are they sales. So Nikki, she helps out on HR scheduling. She actually wears a lot of hats. Um, she's you know she's down in our showroom. She'll help clients out there. Christina, you know she takes care of project management and overseeing you know the crews, and she's in charge of their work orders and just daily schedules and making sure our finishing crews are routed properly. She's got a, you know connection like with them like you wouldn't believe. I know they've been going back and forth sending videos, and all the guys have been checking in on them while they're here. Um, all three of them are ladies. Uh, you know Hannah is you know somebody that helps out in our office as well and down in our showroom she schedules appointments daily she helps out with showroom you know clients and they are just having an absolute blast so and i love it i love seeing them out here and and honestly going out to the panels and seeing they're not just standing there watching they're out there running the equipment they're laying down finish they're hands-on more so than a lot of the other guys that are there um why is it important to you that somebody who's not out in the field that doesn't necessarily have to know how to operate a big machine or a buffer or an edger or anything like that, why is it important to you to get them here, take them away from your office to teach them the basics of sanding and finishing? You know, honestly, it, it came down to, you know, just wanting them to have a better understanding of what the guys are doing on a daily basis. Um, Hannah made a comment to me this morning and she goes, you know what? Now I understand why these guys get so frustrated. If for some reason, you know, a client wants to change the color and they've got to go back and resand the floors. She said, she said, it's hard work. She goes, there's an art to it. What these guys do every day. She goes, it's just amazing to me now just having that understanding and being out on the sanding machines and the edgers and scraping. So I think this week has been phenomenal for them because now they understand what what the guys are out doing every day and how hard it is and how much art goes into it and how much love goes into each and every job. That's awesome. So when the guys call back and say, Hannah, we've got to scrape under 20 linear feet of toe kick, she's going to they're totally going to get it now. So <laughs> that's, that's awesome. But no, they've had a lot of fun and, you know, we'll continue to do this. You know, it's always been important to me to, you know, tie ourselves together with the NWFA. My first flooring convention I ever came to was back in 2006. It was in Baltimore and the connections I made, the people I met, um, just, you know, the, like John Lessig, for instance, you know, he's been a mentor of mine forever. You know, I knew him long before going to the conventions, but I've met some phenomenal people along the, you know, along the journey and the way, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where, like I said, you know, people become your mentors, you create partnerships, you create relationships, you know, and even more so friendships. Would you have considered when you're 15 years old and you first got into this that you would be stuck, quote unquote, stuck in our industry, much less having the, the size of business that you have in the city that you started in? You know, I had no idea I was going to be in it this long. This year is my 26th year of, you know, being in a consistent and, uh, it's been fun. It's been a blast during high the years of high school. You know, I had tried out plumbing, electrical work, painting. Uh, there are so many different parts of the trade and, you know, it's construction trade that I had tried out. The thing I loved about flooring, we just had a career fair for, you know, some younger students from, you know, all over Kansas City. They busloaded kids in. And I said, you know, the great thing about flooring is you're always changing locations. It breaks up the monotony. You're not stuck in a house for a month and a half at a time. Well, usually you're not. Um, you just, it's, it's always something different. You know, you're doing the same thing ultimately, but you're moving on and you're always doing something different. It's a new atmosphere, a new place. It's a new project to start on and not only that but new product to work yeah. with every job it might all be wood but maybe it's walnut today and white oak tomorrow yep it's always something new and being a woody i mean i know i think that's probably what 
also keeps people stuck in our trade. Yeah. You know, whether it's you're going out and you're banging in some strip floor or you've got guys in the wood shop the next week creating some really cool pattern floor or something more simple like Harrymoon, it's just you're always changing it up. Exactly. So changing gears just a little bit. I mean, I know I met you probably the first week or two of when I first started working here, you came to headquarters here. You were picking up a trailer. I think you had purchased or something or dropping something off. And I remember meeting you back in the warehouse before we sold the whole building mm-hmm. and um, got to know you a little bit more from then on through schools and through, through, you know, trade show and all of that stuff. Um, a couple of years ago, you were nominated to be on the board on the board of directors. And, and, um, after that, I think you were nominated to be on the NWFA certified professionals board of directors. So I know you serve two seats on two of our three board of directors, which is really important. Um, but I think it's one of those things that not, unless you're serving on one of the boards, it's difficult to really understand what it means to be a board member. Can you just maybe talk a little bit about, what it means, first off, to you to be a board member professionally, but also what it means for the industry more as a, a trade association representative for the wood floor industry. You know, it's like anything. Get involved, be involved. You know, and I remember the first committee I was on, you know, and then when I heard that I was nominated for the board of directors, I was so excited, you know, still excited to this day. And, you know, it was back in 2015 in uh, St. Louis when I first was brought on board as far as, you know, being on the board of directors. I think it was shortly right after that with the certified board of directors. And then, you know, all t- obviously, you know, additional committees and stuff like that as well. But I would recommend to each and every person that's an NWFA member, get more involved, you know, work your way up the ladder, just, you know, there, there's so much excitement that goes along with just, you know, once again, creating those relationships, those partnerships, those friendships, and just seeing different parts of that and where our industry is going and how much additional involvement you can have by, you know, being on a committee or being on a board. Well, I think we get asked all the time and we were just asked um, a couple of weeks ago by somebody who seems very qualified, but hasn't been involved, hasn't been engaged. And without engagement, without um, other members of the board or people within the industry knowing you and seeing your involvement, it's difficult to get a seat. So I think to your point, um, one of the most important things, anybody who's really interested in, in being a part of the change that the organization is tasked with, with doing for our industry, you have to be involved. Absolutely. If you're not, you're kind of taking that back seat and, and throwing darts with, with at things you don't like, but it's it's nice to be, uh, or praising things that you do like, but it's nice to be a part of that. It's nice to be a part of that change. Um, is there anything that you see specifically with the board that that you know with being in a board meeting or being a part of some of the the meetings that that might happen via you know conference call or even in some of the live meetings that you think maybe somebody from the outside needs to understand a little bit better about the board? You know, there's a lot of behind the scenes things that happen. Um, 
for the good and sometimes for the bad and you know it's been most of the time it's always for the good you know but it's conversations that have to happen it's things that we have to stay on top of you know for our industry and just making sure we're all guided the proper way and you know whether it comes down to you know the new installation guidelines that have come out you've been working on that for years you know trying to get all that lined out sand and finish i mean there's so many things that happen behind the scenes that are so important for our industry and if we didn't have the nwfa and we didn't have these boards you know i'd be kind of afraid of them where we're at where we'd be at you know and where people would go as far as you know different directions on are we doing it the right way are we not you know so that's my biggest thing is you know having the nwfa as the association that guides us the proper way and having the right people involved makes a big difference right well and i think one of the things that's that's so key with all three of our boards, and the three boards are the NWFA board, who's the, the governing board that oversees everything. We've also got the Certified Professionals Board and the Education Research Foundation mm-hmm. Board. Um, but all three of those boards are balanced, and there is a yes. balancing act with who comes on. It's not just a matter of who likes who and you know who's, who's engaged and who's not, but there has to be representation. Our industry, our organization is made up of all arms of, of the industry, manufacturers, distributors, contractors, retailers, inspectors, um, you name it. Anybody who has anything to do with wood flooring can be a member. So we want representation from all of those um, through all of the boards. So it's nice you know, being from the contracting background personally, I always tend to get closer to the contractors, the guys that come from the field also even though I think every board member that we have, I've become close with, but the contractors are really the ones that we always thrive on. We always, you know, cater to because at the end of the day, the the contractor, the guys that are out there doing the day-to-day business of installing floors or running crews, putting the floors in, that's, that's the the Mm -hmm. golden key to the industry. Without an installer, the wood floor industry goes away. Yeah, and I think it's important to have the mix like we have. You know, like I said earlier, you've got to have the right people in the right places. And as everybody's getting older, we need to make sure we're bringing in the younger generations and they need to start being molded and mentored um, to do the same thing that's happening now or even for additional improvements. And it's it's definitely important to have the mix that we have. That's right. And even on the CP board, which is is more what my focus is. And I know, I mean, you're a board member on the, the certified professionals board, which is the CP board. Mm-hmm. We have a good diverse group that's on there yes. um, representing all of the certifications. You have your installer and Santa finisher certification. Um, I know you went through, did you get your inspector certification also? I did everything. I, you know, they've got the certificate the whole nine yards i've just kind of laid under the radar so i've got my Perfect. installation certification i've got my sand and finish i've got the sales advisor and then you know i've obviously completed the, the courses for the inspector side of things as well um got my vanguard i've got my ambassador at this point back before that before we changed the master's craftsman i've got the craftsman award i believe it was at the time nice so. yeah that's huge so on the cp board it seems like it's inactive, but every time we get a meeting together, it's like, you know, we, we, we realize, we recognize at those times, all of the changes or all of the things that are happening with our certified professionals. What have you seen since you've been on the CP board from a change perspective towards becoming better? And also, um, you know, just with our, with our certified professionals, what have you seen that might be of, of 
prominence and also maybe of concern. Oh, goodness. I mean, I, th- I think that's been extremely active throughout the years. I mean, the amount of changes that have happened over the last five years, you know, whether it's the inspector program or the sand and finish side, or like I said in- earlier with, you know, you just releasing the installation guidelines, there's so much that happens there. There's been a lot of interest for me on that side of things, you know, throughout the years. And just because of the fact that we're, we're having a lot of discussions about what's going on, whether it's the sand and finish, it's the install, or it's, you know, the, um, the inspector program. Right. I mean, there's so much opportunity with certification. And I think one of the things that is so tempting, and I think it was tempting when the programs were built, was we need to build numbers. We need to make sure these programs thrive. We need the market to demand it. While the other side of that balance is this is not a sort of none of these certifications are certifications you just pay for and you buy. These are certifications you earn. Yes. And I think that balance is one of the reasons why we haven't exploded our certification program. And to me, that holds that much more value to what it means to be certified because there are other certifications that are out there that are just pay to play. You, you go to a class maybe or maybe you just pay for it and you get it. Um, whereas, you know, we fail people that take the tests and we'd never want to, but when somebody fails, it's not that they fail and they're bad and they're no good and they're not good enough. They know why they failed. And nine times out of 10, they jump back on the horse and come back to take another test again to try to recertify, which to me means it's a good program. And to them, it means they earned it. And because of that, I think everybody who holds an NWFA certification of whatever the status, inspector, installer, finisher, or sales, holds other certified professionals accountable. You know, and as a company, you're you're separating yourself from your competition at that point. You're investing into your guys. You're making a better atmosphere around your shop. You're creating craftsmen. Um, What was it? Five years ago, we had, you know, we hosted a school at our facility. Well, now some of those guys have gotten older and I've got a lot of, you know, quite a few younger cats that have not gone through it. So, you know, that's our next step is, you know, hosting another one of those schools so we can continue to educate our team and just make them even better than who they are, you know, today. It's, our, it's, it's also a morale booster. Our guys, you know, like the girls being here this week, you know, our guys, when we had that school at our facility, I mean, they were just so excited, so just overly just geeked up about the program and, you know, knowing that they were, they held that certification and now that they, they had that pin to where they could wear it on their Carhartt jacket every single day. So, yeah, that's huge. And I, I, I think it, it does take a driver like you as a business owner to instill that in your, your, your employees and to allow them to to take that step and advance. Um, so no, I, I appreciate it. And I, I agree. We, we need to do more of those out there. The more, um, the more that people really thrive for validating themselves within the trade, the better it is for the trade. My recommendation to other business owners would be invest into your guys that want to be invested into and, you know, take the time out. You know what? You may have to set the schedule aside for a week, you know, to send them to the training and everything. But you overall, in the long run, you will get so much out of it and your guys will get so much out of it. Absolutely. Well, Steve, I I really appreciate you taking the time and and coming in, talking a little bit of business and kind of where you came from and what you did. I think it's Again, the, the, the Wood Talk podcast is really just about um, hearing about the people in the industry that, that make up our industry. Um, and, and I think you represent 
the contractor so well, you represent the industry so well, you're, you're, um, you're, you're kind of that pinnacle of, of what I think a lot of people hope to be one day when it comes to being a business owner and, and somebody who's a professional in this trade. So I, I really appreciate and value your time here. So thank you. Well, thank you, Brett. Thank you for having me. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Thanks.